Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 110 here on the Hooper's Log. It is, yes, episode 110, April 4th, 2016. It is Championship Monday in the world of national, of, of the NCAA championship game. It is on tonight. UNC and Villanova. And what happened in the Final Four over the weekend? Not, uh, not appealing at all. Uh, absolutely unappealing. Two dominant performances by both teams heading into the national championship game tonight. Villanova dominating over Oklahoma and North Carolina dominating over Syracuse. We'll talk about those here in a little bit. But my name is Simo Buckets. No Andrew Norris this week. No uh, Jonathan Wagner, from my knowledge. Um, We might get him on the show for tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Uh, If not, then all will be all. Um, This is kind of a transition week in the Hooper's Log. Uh, We'll be moving to night shows next week. I'm getting a new job. Um, this is kind of a transition week talking about the NBA down the stretch they come in the NBA. And in the world of college basketball, obviously tonight is the uh, is the whole Sheboygan, the championship game for a Monday on April 4th, 2016. Obviously episode 110 here on the Hooper's Log through CLNS Radio in the SeatGeek Studios. My name is Simo Buckets. The website, or excuse me, my website, Simo Buckets, is up for one more year. Yes, I got a renewal on it for one more year, so it will be up until April of 2017. So we have that. We also have our Hooper's Log website in effect. It's, it's going to be starting up about a week from today. So go and check that out. When we get it, we'll get you all the information next Monday. Uh, it's kind of, like I said, a transition week this week. We're heading down the stretch in the NBA playoffs. Obviously, uh, NCAA championship game rattles off tonight between Villanova and North Carolina. We'll talk about the Final Four here in just a moment. And we'll talk about uh, really what happened in both these Final Four games. They really were not that good. I mean, both both games were just absolutely horrific uh, when it came to uh, the overall entertainment value of, of, of each of them. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, I didn't watch these games. I was busy. I, I had life going on. I checked in from time to time, and I checked in about halftime of the Villanova game, a Villanova-Oklahoma game, and I was like, ooh, this is bad. And then I checked in 10 minutes left ago. I was like, ooh, I'm glad I didn't watch that. And then I tuned into, you know, North Carolina and Syracuse, and Syracuse made a little bit of a run early on. But then obviously as time went on, it was just like proving why they were the number one team preseason in college basketball Uh as we saw, we'll talk about those games here in a little bit. Again, my name is Simo Buckets. If you'd like to call in and talk about college basketball, previewing the championship game tonight, 
1558. There was a lot of NBA news that happened over the weekend. A lot of big things that happened in the world of the NBA. Uh, records that are kind of put on hold for the time being. Um, some records that were extended. Um, some big, big things as the NBA closes down now with about, let's say, eight, nine games, eight days to go, nine days to go in the regular season. No games tonight in the NBA as everyone takes a break for, obviously, opening day in baseball and uh, the NCAA championship game in college basketball. There's a lot to go on, and the NBA's taking a break. We don't take a break here on the Hooper's Log, and we gotta get uh, we got to get our guy, Kevin Hart, in the studio. Kevin Hart, where are you at? Kevin Hart, I don't see you. Oh, there he is. There he's at. Let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. We're going to start off with college basketball because obviously the national championship game is tonight and everyone cares about the national championship game. Villanova and Oklahoma started off the games on on, on Saturday for the Final Four. And uh, when you shoot 71% from the field like Villanova did, 35 of 49, you shoot 11 of 18 from three-pointer, 61%, and you shoot 73% from the free throw line, you're not losing. It's that simple. Oklahoma tried to catch up with threes. They shot 6-27. to 27. They shot 27 threes in the game just so they could try and catch up. They shot 22% from three. This game was over before it even began. Villanova got off to a big stretch early. Oklahoma kind of made a little bit of a push, but it, this, was, this was a game where it was all Villanova all the way. And, and honestly, it was because of the way they shot the ball. When you shoot 71% from the floor, the other stats don't mean anything. And obviously the turnovers didn't help either as, as Oklahoma turned the ball over. 17 times, uh, they had committed 20 fouls. They let Villanova get to the free throw line 19 times. Uh, they only had eight assists. This was Buddy Heald trying to carry his team once again. And as you saw, he did not have a very good game. I mean, when you see a guy like Buddy Heald not playing the way we're used to seeing him play, nine points, four twelve from the from the field, three fouls in the game, Clearly un, un, uh, unheralded and un, uncooperative. You know, a game you're not used to seeing a Buddy Heald play, it, it doesn't help. It really doesn't help your team. And when he plays poorly the, and the rest of the team plays well, rather pedestrian, you're, you're going to get blown out like this. And that's exactly what happened to Oklahoma in this ball game. I think everyone thought that Villanova would, or Oklahoma would find a way to keep it close, and it just wasn't the case. Uh, Villanova just came out and played a better ball game, shooting the ball lights out from the floor. I mean, when you, again, when everything you do is near perfection, out, uh, you know, shooting the basketball, there's there's really no chance. I mean, Oklahoma just could not could not keep pace. They tried everything they could to do what they could. Look, they out rebounded Villanova in this ball game, but it didn't mean anything. Or they ever out rebounded them at one point in this ball game. Um, you know, overall, 26 rebounds. Uh, Villanova had had uh, had a ton as well. They had 33 or 32, excuse me. But I mean, Villanova kept up. They they just they just kept it going. 12 assists. Or excuse me, 14 assists, 12 steals, three blocks. Uh, the, the stats just don't lie for Villanova in this ball game. And all you got to look at is the field goal percentage. So just look at that, and that's what dictated this ball game. Villanova got the win, 95-51, dominating performance as they hit the national championship game, their first national championship game, and, and doggone nearly 30 years. It's it's been a long time since Villanova got to the national championship game, and they're going to match up against a team in North Carolina who also came out and throttled a team like Syracuse. They shot well from the field as well, 35 of 65, 53% from the field, just a shade under 54%. They did not shoot great from three, but they didn't necessarily need to. As they got to the free throw line, made their buckets when they counted, they got all the rebounds. They clearly out-rebounded Syracuse in this one, which is why they had a big-time disparity uh, in the toughness battle. They also assisted the ball 18 times. Look, when you assist over 15 times in a ballgame and your opponent only has five, that's really going to make a difference. And both teams struggled turnover-wise from the field. 
But when UNC is shooting 53% and Syracuse is shooting 40%, that's going to change everything, and that's going to change really the outcome of the ballgame. That's really what happened. Syracuse, North Carolina, both had the same amount of shots pretty much, 65 for UNC, 66 for Syracuse. UNC's just went down. They just were the better team. They proved why preseason they were the number one team in the nation. They proved why coming into the, coming into the Final Four, they're locked and loaded and ready to go to the national championship game, and they did. And they, and they dominated uh, against one of their opponents in their conference, and they did what they were supposed to do. They dominated 83-66 to 66 was the final score. Um, and, and when you look at the stats overall, I mean, it wasn't ungodly what they did. It's unbelievable what they did. I mean, overall – they just played an overall team game. Marcus Page, 13 points. Uh, Bryce Johnson, 16 points. Meeks, 15. Jackson, 16. Look, when your starting lineup just, just plays well enough to do what you're supposed to do and overall contain pressure and play the way you're supposed to and allow only one guy to go off for Syracuse, which Cooney did. Trevor Cooney, he went absolutely off. Uh, 22 points on 9 of 18 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3. Outside of that, Richardson, 17. Uh, Jabinji, Binjay. Uh, 12 points. I mean, outside of that, it was nothing. Literally, Syracuse did nothing outside of those three guys. And so for that, you got you to gotta give props to North Carolina for what they did. They, they played a complete team game. They kept themselves composed. And, and overall, they just, they were, they're the better team between Syracuse and North Carolina. Again, North Carolina winning 83-66, to getting a big victory going to the national championship game. And look, tonight, between Villanova and North Carolina, I mean, two blue blood teams uh, from, you know, North Carolina playing in uh, in the ACC their whole time. Villanova, a former, if not now, still of ACC big time, or excuse me, a, a, a Big East opponent. It's 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 going to be one of those championship games. I think this is going to be one of the best championship games we've seen in a while. From the standpoint of, look, all these early games, you know, are obviously in the first round of, of the tourney, second round of the tourney, you know, Sweet 16, Elite 8. You keep running it down, and these truly have been two of the grittiest teams in all of college basketball. Villanova has gritted their way to this point. They have found ways to play very, very tough and get gets the national championship game through grit and determination, whereas North Carolina has just been the best team all year. I mean, from the standpoint, not, not Kansas, is, but Kansas has been the best team all year, but North Carolina from the standpoint of being a top-five team all year, Villanova being a top-ten team all year, consistency was on the side of both these teams. Look, Villanova didn't do so well in their conference tournament late in the year or conference, uh, conference play late in the year, but when it comes to Villanova and North Carolina and their ability to compete you know, night in and night out throughout the season, that has been their level of consistency. And, yes, throughout the season – inconsistency has been the flavor of the year for this year's college basketball but these two programs have proven consistent wise all year long and that's why they're where they're at right now that is why they're here that is why they've gotten to this point Villanova beating Kansas Villanova beating Oklahoma two big time programs in the Big 12 getting to the national championship game now playing North Carolina who's to say Villanova can't come out and shoot 75 percent from the field again and dominate North Carolina once once again I don't think that'll be the case if I'm going to pick a game, if I'm going to pick a national champion between these two teams, I'm going to have to go with North Carolina because they have, they have the body of work throughout the entire year in the toughest conference in, call, in all of basketball now in the ACC. And they've proven why they're at the point where they're at. They're the best team in the best conference in all of college basketball. I mean, the Big 12 hat was the best conference in all of college basketball until the ACC had four teams in the Elite Eight, which is crazy because they had seven teams overall make it and four of them made it to the Elite Eight. Not all of them are going to make it but they got to the Elite Eight, and that's insane all by itself. So North Carolina having their ability to get to this, maybe they've been too ACC heavy over the last two games because obviously they've played two ACC opponents the last two games in the tournament. 
But Villanova has found a way to just dominate, in my opinion, the best regular season conference in the Big 12 the last two games. The two best teams in the Big 12, they absolutely annihilated both of them. Yeah, Villanova game, Villanova between Kansas was close, but beating Oklahoma the way they did in their last game on Saturday proves that this team is ready to win the title. And I, I'm going to pick North Carolina to put it on the safe side, but I would not be shocked if Villanova came out and absolutely throttled North Carolina tonight in the national championship game. If you'd like to call into the phone lines or in the SeatGeek phone lines, the phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. And, and that's really what I think is going to happen. I, I think Roy Williams is going to get another, another national championship game for North Carolina, and they're going to find a way to close it out and get it done and ultimately win the championship. But, but honestly, with the way this entire season has gone, with the way the tournament has gone, and how the entire pace of what the tournament has been like, Who's going to be shocked if Villanova wins the title? If you, if, if you raise your hand and think shot would be shocked if Villanova won the title, I think you're out of your mind. This has been one of those years where predicting what's going to happen in the NCAA tournament and what's going to happen in college basketball in general is just you're in the wrong. You can't predict what's going to happen in college basketball. For all we know, this could be a four-overtime classic. For all we know, this could be a blowout by Villanova, a blowout by North Carolina. We don't know what movie we're going to see when we turn, in, turn into this game tonight, the national championship game. Uh, it's going to be on TBS. Uh, I believe the game will be on. Uh, I believe the game will be on TBS in Houston uh, for the national title game. TBS six six nineteen Pacific time, uh, nine nineteen Eastern time. It'll be on uh, TBS, like I mentioned earlier. And uh, I, I'm just saying, if it, if it's a blowout early, you pretty much know how it's going to go because that's how the the final four went. Uh, but if it's a close game all the way through, you're you're in for a big treat because I think this is going to be one of those games to remember. Uh, for years to come. Let's get to the NBA, shall we? Some big news happened on Friday, and we're just going to recap the games and get to the, get to the big stories, obviously, that happened throughout Friday. Philadelphia losing to Charlotte, 191. Philadelphia now 9-67. and They also lost again over the weekend. They're now 9-68 and on the season. They're going to lose 70 games this year. Philadelphia is going to lose 70 games this season, and they're, they're the worst team in NBA history. It's, it's, I don't think it's up for debate anymore. Unless they finish out the season on fire and they, and they finish undefeated and they go 14-68, and 68, they're the worst team in NBA history. I don't, I don't see how you can't deny that. 91 points on the road to Charlotte on, on the road on Friday late in the season. Look, you've got to have some kind of backbone. And Philadelphia doesn't. They don't have any kind of backbone right now. And Charlotte proving why they're, they're one of the hotter teams coming into the postseason in the Eastern Conference. I don't think anyone wants to play this team heading into the first round of the Eastern Conference in a couple weeks. This is a very scary team right now and what Charlotte's doing, and they have really put on the afterburners going into this stretch of the season. Hopefully they don't burn themselves out heading into the postseason. I could see them getting swept in the first round just by how, just by how hard they've been playing the last couple of weeks. But this team is really on fire right now, and if they're just playing the way they're supposed to be playing and not really you know, putting on the afterburners, Look out for a really fiery team coming into the postseason because they could put, do some serious damage and potentially get to the second round and upset some teams and make, a, make some noise in this year's uh, playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Dallas beats the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons cannot afford losses at this point in time of the year. Obviously, the Bulls aren't helping themselves, but the Pistons can't afford it. And obviously, the Mavericks needed a victory to keep up in the standings. They beat the Pistons on Friday night, 98-89, to a big-time victory for the Dallas Mavericks. Again, the Mavericks are hovering uh, on the, uh, they're right now in the seventh spot. But again, like I've said, coming down the stretch, Dallas, Utah, and Houston. And Houston, as of right now, is a half game back of Utah and for the eighth spot in the Western Conference. But Dallas, Utah, and Houston are all teams really fighting for a last 
for a last-ditch effort to get into the postseason. And the way Houston's been playing, I don't think Golden State wants to play Houston in the first round. I think they'd rather play Utah, but who's to say they wouldn't want to play any of those teams? I mean, look, it's this year's playoffs in the Western Conference is going to be insane. I, I've been saying it from day one. I've been saying it every single day on the show. It, it's just it's it's shaping up to be one of the craziest stretch runs in the Western Conference. It's shaping up to be one of the best Western Conference seen in the history of the Western Conference. New York Knicks beat the Nets in 105-91 in the Battle of the Boroughs. No one really cares about the game outside of everybody who lives around New York City. A big-time game on ESPN on Friday night, clearly one of the best games of the night. Uh, Cleveland beats the Atlanta Hawks 110-108. ESPN had quite the showing on Friday, and we'll get to the reasons why here in a little bit. But Cleveland winning in overtime over the Atlanta Hawks 110-108 in overtime. Big-time win. LeBron James putting his stamp on this ballgame. 29 points, 16 rebounds, and 9 assists. A big-time game for him. Clearly wipe away the performance by him and LeBron James. Uh, just absolutely dominant, and they needed this victory from the standpoint of just letting everybody know they're ready to go. They're ready to get to the postseason. They're ready to go to the NBA Finals once again. LeBron's ready to make his sixth straight NBA Finals appearance. Think about that. Six straight NBA Finals appearances. He's ready to do it. LeBron's ready. He's ready to get it going. And he beat Atlanta the way he did last uh, on Friday. And the way he got it done and the, way, and, and the magnitude that this game had around it, considering the way the Hawks and, and Cavs played, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and considering the time of year we're at, this is a big game for Cleveland to prove why on the road. They're a threat to be reckoned with, and they prove why coming out of the depths of despair in this ball game, finding a way to come back and get the victory. The Cleveland Cavaliers stayed on pace, and, and they're ready to go. They're ready to go in the postseason. When the times get tough, they look like they're ready to compete with the best of them, and the Hawks proved that, and, and the Cavs prove why. They're ready to get it going. Again, 110-108 victory. On Friday for the Cleveland Cavaliers over the Atlanta Hawks, now 54-22. and 22. It looks like they're going to wrap up that one seed here rather shortly, but not if the Toronto Raptors have anything to say about it. They got a victory on Friday night, 99-95 over the, over the Memphis Grizzlies. They're now 51-24, and 24, only two and a half games back of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Two and a half games back with, I'd say, what, six, seven games to go in the season? They, they've got six games left to go in the season. They have got quite a hill to climb. Um, considering that they still have to, they still have to get, you know, they still have to obviously get to that point of contending for a one spot. But being a two spot is not anything to be frustrated about because they can still have a chance to get to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Memphis is proving why they're still inconsistent. Forty-one and thirty-five, losing to a team like Toronto. Obviously, the loss of Marcus All. It, it's starting to become more and more evident that this team won't be able to do anything in the postseason. But what do I know? It's been a crazy year in basketball. The Orlando Magic. Played the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, both teams eliminated from postseason play. Milwaukee getting the victory over over Orlando on Friday, one thirteen to one ten. Utah, big time victory for them as they keep their name in the postseason conversation. Beating beating Minnesota, ninety eight to eighty five. Obviously, Minnesota, a young team, the clear cut, no dispute, no debate, rookie of the year. He should be unanimous in my opinion. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you'll obviously get some votes from the East Coast for Kristaps Porzingis and the way he played early on in the year. But Carl Anthony Towns is the best rookie bar none in the NBA, and he, I think he's been the best rookie in the NBA this whole this whole entire century. I mean, outside of, uh, maybe outside of Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, his rookie year was unbelievable, but outside of those two guys, I can't think, oh, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard about three, two, three years ago was, was obviously that too. Okay, so Damian Lillard, Carl Anthony Towns, and Kevin Durant, those are the three rookies over the last, this last, this entire century that we've had so far in these 16 years that I can't think of a better rookie in one season. Look, I know LeBron and Carmelo Anthony had a debate in 03 of who's going to win the rookie of the year, or 04, I should say, um, 03, 04. But 
you know, those two teams, were, those two guys were duking it out in one year. Look, Carl Anthony Towns has no one else to compete with. Damian Lillard had no one else to compete with. Um, Kevin Durant had no one else to compete with. Andrew Wiggins, the year he won it, eh, he was good, but was he the best flat-out rookie? I wouldn't say he was the best flat-out rookie, but he was unbelievable. Unbelievable, nonetheless. You have, I mean, you have a team right now in the Minnesota Timberwolves, yes, they're building, but they, I'm telling you, give them a couple more years with this core, they're going to be very, very lethal. And the Jazz needed this victory tonight, on, on Friday, excuse me, uh, winning 38, the 30th game of the season, now 38-38, and 38, again, vying for a playoff spot in the Western Conference, a big-time win on Friday night for the Utah Jazz. Miami beat the Sacramento Kings 112-106, to 106, a little bit of a scare there. Obviously, the Sacramento Kings found a way to keep it close, but Miami clinching a playoff spot again for the fifth straight season, sixth straight season in my opinion. They've been to the playoffs a lot the last you know decade, and it's all credit to Dwayne Wade and that organization, really. I mean, give credit to that organization. I know they had LeBron James the last, you know, for four years, but outside of that, this this organization is finding ways to get into the postseason. They're a very gritty ball club. They've been gritty for the last you know, couple of seasons now since LeBron's been out, and they're finding ways to get into the postseason. I know they didn't make it last year um, because they got they got cut short because of Chris Bosh. But outside of last season, um, you know, they have found ways to get into the postseason with the talent that they have, and, and kudos to them for getting in. They're into the postseason again. Who knows what their shooting will be. We'll, they'll figure, we'll figure that out sometime later on in the year. This was story of the night. Story of the night on Friday night, no debate, absolutely none. We talk about how the San Antonio Spurs are undefeated at home, and we talk about how the Golden State Warriors are the best team in the NBA. But they will go throughout this season as probably creating the greatest season of all time. And I, and I don't think it's much of a debate now with about nine, eight, nine games left, eight, nine days left in the regular season. I don't think it's much of a debate now, but this team's probably going to be the greatest team, regular season team in NBA history. And they're not going to go undefeated at home. Now, that's no knock on them. That's still unbelievable. 68 and eight after this ballgame, they lose 109 to 106 at home against Boston. Now, we're here on CLNS Radio. Obviously, we're here and we're going to cheer. We're going to be excited for Boston. We're getting this victory, a big, big, big-time victory for Boston as they win 109-106 to 106 over Golden State. And everyone's talking about how Golden State shot themselves in the foot, didn't play too well. Didn't it? No, 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 no. Do not kid yourself with not playing well versus getting beat. This team got beat. This is the first time all year outside of losing to Portland right after the All-Star break because clearly they weren't – I mean, clearly everyone was coming back off the All-Star break kind of sluggish. But outside of the Portland game and this game, Golden State has really beaten themselves in all of their losses. Out of the six out of their eight losses, they have really just truly beaten themselves. Look, the Denver loss, they beat themselves. Milwaukee, they were kind of due for a loss. That, that's going to happen. Um, a couple of other losses that they had to see, Detroit, they, they, they beat themselves. Look, Detroit played great. No one will knock that Detroit didn't, but they beat themselves. Um, you know, a couple of other losses they've had this year, they've beaten themselves. This game, the Portland game, and this game, they got flat out beat. The Portland game, right, right when the All-Star game, right when the All-Star break ended, and this game, they beat themselves. They, 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 did, they didn't beat themselves. They got beat. If you watch that game between Boston and Golden State on Friday night, which I definitely watched the second half of that ball game, every single time Golden State made their, you know, their classic 10-2 you know, to 2 run, every time they made their, their, their 8-0 their eight no run, 6-0 run, their quick spurts of, you know, their quick spurts of 4-0, you know, quick, quick turnover, you know, score, turnover, score, you know, type runs that they usually do uh, midway through the game, late in the game with their bench. Every single time they made a run, Boston found a way to answer. And they answered not just answering with a bucket. They answered with their own run. 
And that right there, you got to give props to a guy like Brad Stevens. And look, I'm not going to look. I'm so you better be thankful, Golden State. And I'm not ripping you as an organization because you're the best team in basketball right now, and no one will debate that. But when it comes to to you know your ability to play in a seven game series, you better be thankful you're not playing the Boston Celtics in the NBA playoffs. Look, if the Boston Celtics were in the West, which obviously they wouldn't because they're the Boston Celtics. But let's say one of these teams played in the same they played in the same conference together. And the Boston Celtics are playing the Golden State Warriors in the postseason. I honestly think the Boston Celtics would beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. I do. I think it would go seven. I think it would be a classic. I think it would be close. I think it would be close like these games. And I'm not just saying that because Boston just won in Golden State on the road. I'm not, I'm not trying to lapdog the, the Boston Celtics here because I'm on CLNS Radio. I'm being honest. If you watch this game and you watch the adjustments that Brad Stevens made – from a you know a chess chess perspective, from you know from the chessboard off the court, ways that he found a way to keep his team into this ball game when the crowd was in it, when they emotionally stayed in it, when they made runs, when they made when they made impactful plays, getting guys Kelly Olynyk driving to the basket, making unorthodox plays, kind of showing a little bit of different cards from the Boston Celtics that you wouldn't expect in a game of this of this magnitude from the standpoint of history, but not late in the season. This type of game from the Boston Celtics will project them into getting into the postseason and giving them confidence, thinking that they can beat anybody. Now, will they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in a seven-game series? No. Will they beat the Spurs? No. Will they beat the Will they beat Toronto in a seven-game series? I don't think so. But this is a look. We've been talking about this on CLNS Radio for the last year and a half, almost two years now, three, three, two and a half, three years now, since getting Brad Stevens. This is the this was a game last you know on Friday, where. The Boston Celtics, and you can't deny this, the Boston Celtics winning 109-106 to 106 over the Golden State Warriors in Golden State. And I know Golden State is not looking great as of late. If you were to really rank them as a team right now, they'd look like, honestly, they look like a top three, top four team instead of the clear-cut number one team in the, in, in the NBA. They're still great. They're still legendary. They're still historic. But the way that they've been playing, they have not been playing well. But you have to give props to, to, to Boston because they themselves have not been playing great basketball. They had lost two in a row prior to this game. They were coming off a second night of a back-to-back after a big loss. Look, they didn't just get clobbered on – they got destroyed in Portland the night before, 116-109. to 109. And they gave up 116 points, and they held Golden State. They found a way to score 109 again and hold Golden State to, six, to 10, point, 10 less points than they did against Portland. Just think about that. Just think about that. They held Golden State on the second night of a back-to-back, and Golden State had the night off on Thursday. So you need to factor in what this team has done in Boston and that their ability to, to, to get better, improve, find ways to play teams who are, you know, are clearly more superior to them, they can do it. On any given night, this team can do it. In a seven-game series, I'm telling you, if this Boston Celtics team found a way to make the NBA Finals, which if they do, call me crazy, they're not going to get there. They're not getting there this year. It's not going to happen. But if this team gets to the NBA Finals and they play a team like the Golden State Warriors, I honestly think you would see a Detroit Pistons, L.A. Laker-type NBA Finals from 04, where the Lakers clearly had four Hall of Famers on their team, they were the better team talent-wise than the Detroit Pistons in 04, but the Pistons swept them because they had the better mentality. They had the better team. Now, would, 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 the, would the Boston Celtics dominate over Golden State like, 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 the, uh, like the Detroit Pistons did in a seven games? Absolutely not. No, it would go seven. It would be very close. I think it would be an intellectual. It would bring basketball back to its roots, which is intellectual, 
finding ways to beat teams in and out, uh, you know, running, running plays throughout the game, finding ways to slow it down, play great defense, and find ways to play team basketball. You'd see that with Golden State and Boston. And Golden State would have to figure out how to beat them down low because the problem with Golden State, and we all know this, and their one flaw that they have as a team is that when you play them down low and you play them well in the paint, they can't, they, they can't beat you. When Golden State is getting beat in the paint and they, and they don't hold on to the basketball, they're very easy to beat. It's just the facts. Because if you can play the three keys to beating Golden State, you play great defense, you beat them in the paint, and you find ways to slow down the basketball. If you do that, which the, Golden State, which the Boston Celtics did on Friday night, and you can match their runs, obviously. You have to do that against this team. But if you can do that, and you can match their runs and find ways to, to get them uncomfortable, which is like that in any basketball. It doesn't matter how good a team is. It's like that in any basketball league. Where you can find a way to keep them uncomfortable and find a way to keep them out of their, out of their range and their ability to play within their way they want to play, you're going to beat them. And it was evident on Friday night when the Boston Celtics beat them 109-106. to 106. And it wasn't – I mean, really, when you watched this game, when you watched – how this game unfolded, it really wasn't close. It really was not close from the standpoint. Look, it was a three-point ball game. Golden State had, had a chance at the end. They did. They turned the ball over at the end. Draymond Green fumbled the ball, and Boston got the ball back, and they won. And they had a chance to win. But when it came to the aura, the feel, the eye test of this ball game, you felt that Boston throughout the entire fourth quarter was not going to slip away. And you felt like the Golden State run was not going to come. I don't know what it was. I don't know why I felt that way. Maybe it's because we're obviously uh, Vision's 2020 now, uh, and, and looking back on it, we can say these things. But when I watched the fourth quarter between Boston and Golden State, I had a weird feeling Boston just had this game in the bag. I'm not saying it was an automatic victory. I'm not saying that they were, you know, they clearly had this game in the bag and that clearly that they were going to win this game and that and that it was obvious going into the fourth. It was not. It was not an obvious obvious agenda going into the fourth quarter that the Golden State Warriors were going to lose this game at home against Boston. It wasn't, it wasn't obvious at all. But when you kind of watch the game and you replay and watch it, I, I'm, I'm serious. If you, have, if you have a league pass, you need to rewatch this game. Look, goal, Boston was up by five, or the Boston was only up by two going into the second half. And every, I'm telling you, every single time Golden State found a way to make a run. It, I mean, and it was the second half Every single time Boston went down and Golden State made a run, they re-answered and they re-answered with their own run. Boston only outscored Golden State in the second half by one point. Think about that, one point. They were tied in the fourth, 27-27. It was 27-27 in the fourth quarter by both teams. They matched everything Golden State did. They methodically beat them in this ballgame. They did. They out x them. They out-beat them. They out emotioned them. They outdid everything to them that they normally do. Steph Curry was uncomfortable. Yes, he shot 8 of 14 from the three. From three. He was unbelievable from three, but he was only 9 of 19. That's not great. That's good. That's really good. It's not great. And, you know, Clay Thompson had a, and he had a so-so game. You know, Andrew Bogut was no factor at all. Draymond Green, really, Draymond Green was no factor at all in this ballgame. What's interesting is Golden State played their brand of basketball. They, that's, the, that's the thing about the Boston Celtics that people need to understand. They allowed Golden State to play their game. They did. These stat lines, when you look at this game between Boston and Golden State, the stat lines aren't out of control. They're not, like, unorthodox. Are they a little less than normal? Sure. 
Obviously, Steph Curry only scoring 29 points. Obviously, Draymond Green only scoring 16. And coming close to a triple-double like he usually does, and if he usually does, they usually win. But to see the way Boston beat Golden State after the second half of a back-to-back, it goes to show you that Golden State might not be as unbeatable as we thought they might be going into the postseason. Losing to a team like Boston, that should not have happened. They should have beaten Boston. Right now, they should be sitting with 70 wins. Coming down the stretch of the final week of the season, having a chance to really obliterate that Bulls record from 95-96. Washington Wizards win over the Phoenix Suns, 106-99. Again, Washington trying to find a way to get into the postseason. They're still struggling. They're still trying to find a way to get get it done. Obviously, Saturday was a slow day in the NBA, obviously, because of the Final Four. Uh, Spurs staying undefeated at home. Now 39-0 at home. The greatest start. A road start and uh, a home start in NBA history. As the Spurs are looking to go undefeated at home, I think they're going to try and do it uh, and be the first team to ever do so. It could be the case. I believe they only have two home games left, if I'm not mistaken. Beating the beating the Raptors 102 to 95 on Saturday, a big time victory for the Spurs as they keep trying to push towards potentially sniffing that 70 win mark, which they could do before the end of the season. I don't think they'll get there, but they'll get very close. They'll probably win 68 games. They've been unbelievable this year. Outside of the Golden State Warriors, they've been the best team in the NBA. Detroit Pistons win over the Bulls. Big, huge victory for the Pistons as they're now 41-36. and 94-90 is the victory over the Bulls on Saturday night. Big-time victory for the, for the Detroit Pistons as they move to 41-36. and 36, And they're probably going to find themselves in the postseason sooner than later. The Pacers beat the Philadelphia 76ers 115-102. Again, the 76ers 9-68. and They're going to lose 70 games this year. And the Pacers get that 40th victory of the season. And they could find themselves in the postseason as well. Sacramento Kings beat the Denver Nuggets 115-106. to No one cares. Uh, and the Portland Trailblazers beat the Miami Heat 110-93 as the, as the Blazers are going to find themselves in the postseason again after losing four of their five starters, as we keep mentioning that. Terry Stotts better win coach of the year because if not, it's an absolute travesty to the NBA. Uh, Pelicans on Sunday beat the Brooklyn Nets 106-87. to Obviously, Brooklyn's done. Pelicans are done. No one cares about this game. Cleveland beats the Charlotte Hornets 112-103. to That pretty much looks like they're going to wrap up the Eastern Conference one seed from that point on. Obviously, as Cleveland is now uh, Cleveland is now three and a half up on the Toronto Raptors, with about uh, four, uh, five, six games left in the regular season, it's looking like more and more that they're going to get it done and they're going to be the one seed this season. Look and remember, people, Cleveland was not the one seed last year. They weren't. People are knocking the Cleveland Cavaliers because oh LeBron and oh blah blah blah. Look, no. The Cleveland Cavaliers were not the one seed last year. Atlanta was the one seed last year, and LeBron still dominated the postseason. Look, they're going to have home court advantage in the Eastern Conference, and they're going to have a pretty much a cakewalk to the NBA Finals if they don't face anyone daunting, which I don't think anyone daunting is going to come through the East outside of maybe a Detroit. Now, if they play Detroit in that first round, that's going to be tough. But then if they play Toronto in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's not a tough team. I mean, Toronto's good. Don't get me wrong. Toronto's very good. DeMar DeRose and Kyle Lowry, one of the top three backcourts in the NBA. No debate. But when it comes to overall team perspective, Cleveland is just that much better than really everybody else. Detroit will give them a run for their money because of guys like uh, Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson. But Cleveland has found a way to just really manhandle teams that they're supposed to be. Look, Charlotte was playing really hot lately. They've been playing really good. And they manhandled them last night, 112 to 103. LeBron James... Played another grid game. I mean, LeBron is on a mission. LeBron is on a mission to win the NBA title this year for Cleveland. I think he's honestly fed up with the way Cleveland's been treating him, which, again, he's kind of a prima donna in that aspect because 
Cleveland, you know, is not going to give him everything he wants. They're not going to give him all the, you know, all the kings, of the, all the royalties that he wishes he could have. But 112-103 is not an easy, it's not, a, it's not a slow victory by any means. It's not. Look, winning by nine points at this point in time of the year over a team like the Charlotte Hornets is massively impressive. And LeBron going off the way he's going over this last week or so, look, I don't think he's trying to win MVP because he won't win MVP. Obviously, a guy like Steph Curry is going to take the MVP reins from him. But when you see LeBron going off for 31 points and eight rebounds, what are you, what are you supposed to do? How are you going to stop that? LeBron is getting into playoff mode. Kevin Love, 25 points last night. J.R. Smith, 27. Hey, when J.R. Smith has 20-plus points, you can wrap it up. I mean, seriously, if J.R. Smith has 20-plus points and LeBron's going for near triple-doubles, you can wrap it up. Like, like the Cavs won't lose ballgames. It won't happen. It won't happen. And, and, and kudos to Kemba Walker. He played a great game. Boy, Kemba Walker in the postseason is going to be fun, isn't it? Watching Kemba Walker play for the Charlotte, Bob, Charlotte, Hornets, Bobcats. The Charlotte Hornets is going to be a fun one to watch there. Again, Houston Rockets, big-time victory. James Harden, another 40-point game. He has 11 40-point games on the season. They beat the, they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder last night, 118-110 to on ABC. They're trying to get into the postseason. They're only a half game back of Utah for the eighth spot in the West. Big-time victory for the, for the Rockets. I'm telling you, that is one team Golden State does not want to face in the first round because the Rockets can really screw things up with the way that they play the game of basketball. And I think if, I think if they face – the Golden State Warriors in the first round, it'll be one of the tougher first-round matchups they ever see. Dallas, another big victory as they beat Minnesota, 88-78. to They're still only a game up over the Houston Rockets right now for a seventh spot, eighth spot in the Western Conference. That Western Conference is going to come down to the wire. Uh, the L.A. Clippers get a victory. Blake Griffin's first game back. He did not look very good, but granted, it's his first game back in pretty much three months. 114-109 uh, over the Washington Wizards. It looks like the Wizards, look, they're trying to still get into the postseason, but it's looking like the Wizards – are going to be left out of the postseason conversation if they can't get it together here over the next couple of games. Uh, the Orlando Magic beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Like I said, Memphis is not looking very good without Marcus Saul. 119 to 107, the Orlando Magic get it done. Utah Jazz beat the Phoenix Suns again. Big victory for the Jazz. As they're now 39 and 38, a game of over 500. Staying pace ahead of the uh, Houston Rockets now. Half a game up on them. 101 to 86 over Phoenix on Sunday night. Bulls beat the Milwaukee Bucks. 102 to 98. Bulls still hanging in there in the conversation in the bottom portion of the Eastern Conference. Still hanging around, trying to stay into that conversation. Pacers get the victory over the, net, the Knicks last night. 192 to 87. 41 and 36 of the Pacers. They're still hanging tough in the Eastern Conference playoff bracket. And like I said, Golden State back-to-back games. They haven't lost back-to-back games all year. They dominate the Portland Trailblazers. 136 to 111. Big time victory for the Golden State Warriors. Now 69 and eight chasing that 70-win mark and chasing that historic mark that the Chicago Bulls set 20 years ago. And the Boston Celtics beat the final time they played Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles as the Lakers lose their 60th game of the season and the Boston Celtics win their 45th game of the year. 107 to 100, the Boston Celtics clinch a playoff spot to get in to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, that is your NBA recap of Monday. Obviously, a lot happened in the world of basketball over the weekend. Uh, there are there are now six teams who have clinched playoff spots in the Eastern Conference: Charlotte, Miami, Boston, Atlanta, Toronto, and Cleveland. Who knows what their seedings will be, but that will be all figured out here over the next uh, uh, eight to nine days. Uh, Indiana and Charlotte, or, excuse me, Indiana, Detroit, and Chicago. Eh, Washington, maybe, but really, it's looking like Indiana, Detroit, and Chicago are all going to try and figure it out to get that final spot in the Eastern Conference and in the West, like I said, Dallas, Utah, and Houston are all figuring out one final spot in the Western Conference. Portland, Memphis, they haven't clinched yet, but they will clinch eventually. And the Clippers, Oklahoma City Thunder, Spurs, and Warriors have all clinched playoff spots. They've clinched them 
quite a while back now. It's been about a couple of weeks since all those teams have clinched uh, playoff spots in the NBA. Some top news in the NBA before we get on out of here. Uh, it's been on quite a long show. Uh, as you know, uh, you know, in the NBA, the Hall of Fame has been announced. Allen Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal, and Yao Ming, all 2016, part of the 2016 Hall of Fame class, they'll be inducted sometime in early August uh, later on this year. It's going to be uh, an unbelievable um going to be an unbelievable stretch run as we get here closer to the postseason with about eight nine games to go eight nine days to go in the regular season in the nba and if you're listening to the hoopers log shows will be changing to night shows starting on april 11th a week from today we will be doing shows around four either it'll either be 4 30 it'll either be 4 30 p.m 7 30 p.m eastern or 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern i'm thinking it's going to be more 7 30 p.m uh, Eastern time, and we'll set it up for an hour and a half long show so we can just get our get our reins going and get our things going and try and get you more involved here as a listener as we try and adjust the Hooper's log to what it's going to look like here uh, during the postseason in the in the NBA. So, again, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, that's our show for today. Uh, again, thank you again for listening to CLNS Radio in the Seeking Studios. My name is Simo Bucket. we got about a minute left on the show. Again, the national championship game tonight, no NBA games. It's all focused on the national championship game. And if you're going to opening day in baseball, enjoy yourself and come home tonight and watch the national championship game because it's going to be a good one between Villanova and UNC. I'm picking UNC. I think they're going to get it done. But I would not be shocked if Villanova found a way to eke it out at the end. I'll be tuned in at work. I'll find a way to get it done, and I'll find a way to watch the game for you. Thank you again for listening, everybody. My name is Timo Buckets. I'll be back tomorrow, episode 111 on the Hooper's Log. We'll get it done. We'll get it all set up for you, and we'll get it all going. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Enjoy the National Championship game, and we'll talk about it with you here tomorrow here on the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Buckets. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Check out my website, simobuckets.com. Check out who I am and what I stand for. Thank you again, everybody. Have a good one.